Gordon C. is our guest today, and he serves in our district as an Advanced Academics Program Coordinator. Gordon has an interdisciplinary bachelor's from Texas A&M and has a master's degree in college and career readiness. Before working at our Teaching and Learning Center, Gordon taught for 11 years at Club Intermediate as an ELA, Speech, Path, and a DEI sponsor. He's worked in the youth ministry at church for 20 years, which led him to becoming a teacher. He was a 2013-14 Club Teacher of the Year with a favorite teaching quote of Embrace Confusion. To say he's the perfect guest for content about embracing and uncovering student strengths is an understatement, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Let's go. Hi, Gordon. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. So welcome to Conversations. Oh, you gave me a woohoo. Of course. Oh my gosh. This is why you're on here. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today we are talking about using student strengths in the classroom, on campuses, and celebrating those, and et cetera, because there will be more. So we'll start off with you sharing one celebration from our district, Klein ISD, in connection to teaching and learning. You know, one of the biggest things that I've seen evolved over the last several years is um, our utilization of strong GT teachers to be the GT advocates. Okay. And they really are advocating for our kids, for our teachers, figuring out what is, like, the best thing for our kids. Yeah. Um, the team that I work with, so I service out of my campuses. I have eight that my primary focus is gifted and talented, and my eight advocates are trying their best and going above and beyond the expectations that we put out at the beginning of the year. Um, one of them, I mean, she takes our Great Thinking Thursday and hits the highlights for all the teachers. Oh, wow. So this way they don't have to, because we know how emails get mm -hmm. and we get so many of them, but she hits the highlights. So this way the teacher can review and then they can look sp for specific things within Great Thinking Thursday. So they're not having to sift through everything themselves. Yeah. And then I have another advocate who is all about the kids. Know, trying to meet the kids, trying to see what are their current needs, both an intermediate advocate as well as an elementary advocate. They're they're wanting to do so much, and they're always asking questions, which I think in past, you know, when I first started, some of them are like, okay, I think we got it. But now they're like, okay, how do we do this? Or how can we make this better for our teachers? How do we, you know, do better data tracking? Because I have one campus, they're like, we if we want to see our kids grow, we got to see the data. Mm -hmm. So how do we compile all this information that we already know the teachers are getting mm -hmm. into an easy-to-read document, easy-to-use spreadsheet? Initiative. Yeah. You talk and about so, leading from your seat. Yes. And I like a good story where people are going above and beyond than their typical job description. Oh, yes. It's been amazing. Especially year. in a volunteer position like that. I bet that's inspiring for you. It makes me like, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I love it when, you know, people are willing. Yeah. Because... You know, in past, not going to lie, there have been people who aren't. And, you know, some of the mindsets have definitely changed, which has been refreshing. And the best part of that is it's in the control of the person. You know, it's not yeah. like you have to wait for exterior things to happen and be like, okay, I'll wait. Like, you get to lead from your seat and make the decision to make a difference and yeah. go above and beyond yeah. on your own, any moment of the day. Yeah. You know, start it off. Okay. So in your experience, and this is how Gordon and I have a connection, <laughs> as we both taught this great class called PATH years ago. Mm. Um, I think you came in the year after it was started. So I was the first Correct. year and I was high school and you were intermediate. But um, gosh, I didn't know I needed the, to teach a college career readiness class in my heart, but I Same. soaked it 
up. Same. I mean, I just, I loved it. And even the kids that came from families that were involved or parents that were involved or families where there were siblings already in college, I still feel like that curriculum and that content and that information, the conversations we had impacted the decisions they made for college or not even just college post high school. Yeah. Doesn't, well, it, doesn't even I mean, mean that was their path. The reality is it's a college and career readiness and it's, if they're ready for college, if they're ready for career, they're going to be ready for whatever. Yeah. Uh, I still remember, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, not realizing this is something we needed or wanted mm -hmm. to teach. Um, Cause I found out that I was teaching path when I was actually in Knoxville, Tennessee for competition for DI. Okay. And I get an email saying, Hey, welcome to being a path coach. Oh, I'm like, wait, uh, excuse me. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> Cause I had no idea what the course was. Okay. And then diving in that fall up year and realizing the impact that that class can make mm -hmm. has been so amazing. Um, I remember just a few years ago, uh, so one of the big projects I had my kids do was they actually had to send out letters to their colleges requesting information. And one of my kids was like, I'm going to be ambitious. I'm going to send something overseas. So she sent it to Oxford. Oh, good for her. She got a response. Oh, that's awesome. And I had a map and like I was tagging oh, all the different locations. Oh, that's a great idea. So I had to, it was a map of the U.S. So I had to have this little random pin <laughs> off of the map Showing where Oxford That's like was. on your chalkboard. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, and this is not on, on trend of our content, but we'll talk about it anyways. <laughs> I learned so much about curriculum writing for that because like yes. there was only a small group of us. I was the only high school teacher for that. So I literally had to come up with a curriculum, but who doesn't love curating and making content for oh, yeah. kids? Like so fun. And this content was so easily applied to these futures, especially the path for kids who are seniors. Mm -hmm. um, I just had such a good time teaching. And then I got to teach, you know, all the grades. And I taught speech and English mm -hmm. before that. So I got to teach 9 through 12 sometime in my career before. But it was just it was just such a special class to teach. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because, like, we didn't know each other probably when we taught it as well. But mm -hmm. you kind of have a connection to those people that were the first path teachers oh, yeah. in the district. But I know one of the things that I loved about teaching that class was uncovering student gifts to apply to the conversations about their future. Because I think there's even adults who don't realize their natural abilities or gifts Agreed. can be applied to more than just what they're doing every single day. Yeah. And luckily for me, that was facilitated by my parents as conversations happened a lot. And um, I was lucky enough to have parents that were intentional with their messaging to us, my sister and I, about that. But what kind of conversations do you think is, are important for teachers to facilitate that self-search into the strengths of their students, even though they might not be teaching a specific college and career readiness class? Well, and you're on campuses a lot. I want to say yeah. that. So you've seen so <laughs> many things since you've been off of a campus yourself. Well, first and foremost, it's definitely the building of the relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started teaching – I had the mindset of jump into curriculum, jump into curriculum because there's so much to hit, so much to hit. But then when I did Capturing Kids Hearts, <sighs> my mind changed completely. Mm -hmm. And I realized right. if I spend that whole week, that first week, yes, granted, people are like, we need to hit the books. We had no build that relationship mm -hmm. because then you get to know the kids. They, you build that trust. Then you can help really guide them throughout the year. And in terms of path, one of the first things we always did with our kids is a learning assessment. Learning style assessment, yeah. personality type. What was it called? Straight. What was that program we used online? Oh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget. I, I had it used, memorized before we came in. We used. I know we used career cruising. That's what career cruising. And that was great. To Which was legit. Out. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed 
seeing what the ki- what the kids' gifts were and then mm-hmm. attaching it to stuff. Like yeah. you'd be a great dance instructor. Yeah. You'd and be some great. Some like what? No, they're like a security guard. I don't want to carry a gun. You know. <laughs> but it was really neat. And the thing is, is especially t- having taught intermediate for these kids to recognize what is their personality type, how mm-hmm. do they affect others? Number one, and then number two, how do they learn? It's going to set them up for success for future. Right. Because if they realize that they're an auditory learner, they're going to realize why reading does not work right. for them as well. Because reading takes that visual processing while auditory, they can listen. So if they had somebody read it to them, they pick it up faster. You know? And the kids need to recognize that. So this way they are successful, especially since there are so many different teachers, so many different things in life that are taught to them in different ways. And if they don't recognize that, they're stronger in one way versus the other, it's going to make it more challenging. Well, and depending on the experiences of that child and the family that they're in, like even as us as adults, we're, I don't know about you. I'm speaking for you and I don't know (laughs) for you, but you can tell me. I still learn about new job positions, careers. When I meet new people, I'm like, Oh, I've never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. So a 15 and in your case, you taught intermediate 12 year old, 16 year old, even 18 year old sometimes don't know the options that are out there. Um, I mentor a student and I was telling her about an x-ray tut, you know, like those are things I didn't know about until I got an x-ray and I'm like, Oh, there's a position about that because Mm -hmm. I was never interested in the medical field. Well, and they keep saying that, you know, the jobs 10, 20, 30 years that are going (laughs) to be there Mm -hmm. aren't here now. And it's like, how do we best prepare our kids for those opportunities? And if they don't understand who they are and what gifts they have, how are they going to get themselves plugged into those things in the future? And I think, Sometimes this is difficult for some people just because of personalities and skill sets. And, and if you're an introvert, I mean, some of these things aren't natural to have these conversations with students and there's so much out there. I like this one article that I found and I'll link all the articles that I talk about, but they said, before you get started in the school, you can ask your kids four basic questions. One, what do your teachers and parents always compliment you on? Because I think you'll see a trend in compliments. I know you Mm -hmm. probably see a trend in compliments you've received I know when I'm around certain people, I think of their skills frequently. So if somebody is super warm and charismatic, when I'm around them, I think, gosh, this person's warm and charismatic almost every time I'm around them because mm-hmm. it's a skill that's that outshines the other ones. Yeah. Or if someone's a really good public speaker, I think every time this person's talking, they're really good at public speaking, et cetera. So I think kids sometimes can aren't pushed to, to find the trends in their compliments. And it's a good question to yeah. ask. Were you ever surprised when you were good at a new game task or specific assignment and what skills were involved? Isn't that great? Like some people just, some kids I think are good at math or good with numbers. They don't think about, okay, this is problem solving. Mm -hmm. This is analysis, you know, like. Especially this generation, they are so media driven. Yeah. They don't realize some of the skills that they are. They're an autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's when they. Which is okay. We all are an autopilot. True. I'm not. I love this generation. It's the challenge of having them Mm self-reflect. What are you doing? What are the skill sets that you're building when you are doing X, Y, Z, when you're creating a YouTube channel? What kind of skill sets do you have to have? Because you have to be able to speak. You have to be able to plan and organize, et cetera. And again, like I said earlier, there's so much in the future that we don't know about. 100%. That we got to get these kids to start self-reflecting. Two other questions. What, What would you say is your greatest skill or ability... And then what subject in school do you like best? These are just four questions that could be really good conversation starters. I'm also going to link a student strengths checklist that I found that has basic questions 
that would be maybe different from a typical learner profile that people might create. Mm -hmm. You might think like if you're an English teacher, do you enjoy reading? What's your favorite thing about writing? Those are like all content specific, but you could go even further than that. Oh, yes. Um, for example, and under this one, it has industrial capability topic. Ooh. And it says enjoys physical activities, ambitious, makes good choices in areas of interest, builds and constructs things, does well with tools, a self-starter, etc. And I think another good thing to do is also change the language that we're using as educators. I mean, even as a parent, some of the challenges that I might see in my child, I spin those to be leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. You know, if a kid is super you know, headstrong. Well, guess what? So are most leaders, you know, so I call that a leadership skill, you oh, know, yeah. or persistence, you know, a kid that doesn't stop in the classroom would constantly ask the same question. Great. They're inquisitive. It might be frustrating for you to have the same, you know, you can turn those negative things around to also skills sometimes because, oh, yeah. or I should say frustrating things on that negative. Well, and something else to think about is yes, these kids might recognize these items as strengths, but then when they're marking things that are what they consider weaknesses, then they are able to start working on those, yeah, some, that's a great know, those point. things. Because, you know, if a student says that they're extremely introverted and they don't like talking in front of people, well, that could be a, mm -hmm. a goal for them that year. Yeah. How do I get myself in front of people? I think you made such a good point. Once you start identifying your strengths, you're right. Then you can really, and, and it's probably easier for people to identify their areas of growth. Yeah. Well, I should say some people. <laughs> <laughs> some people just don't yeah, there, know. There's that. <laughs> But I think these are good this is a good conversation that can be even applied to the adults that we work with ourselves. Yes. Like this doesn't need to just be like, what are students, what are your strengths and gifts as a teacher and educator? Mm -hmm. Or if you're listening from another, you know, work career, it doesn't need to just be applied. But sometimes I think that we're, like I said earlier, we're on autopilot. And yeah. I think people aren't using their gifts to their full capability sometimes. It doesn't just have to be applied to helping get those out of our kids, get them out of yourself with these same yeah. kind of questions, you know, look for those trends of what people say to you. And I think even for us, especially us as adults, we forget to pause and think. And, you know, I, I'm very active in youth ministry yeah. at my parents' yes, same ages. And our new youth minister, one of the big things he's been doing with our core team, every time we meet, he always starts off with breaking us into smaller groups and we challenge each other to respond what I see in you. Because sometimes we forget that we have these gifts or that we have these things that we do so well, but then having somebody else actually verbalize it, it's a very humbling experience. And it's great to know, okay, so what I am doing is being recognized, even though I don't realize that's what's one of my strengths. You know, even on my team, I remember earlier this year, um, Beth was like, no, I want Gordon helping out with the innovation challenge because he's all about logistics. I never saw myself as a oh, logistics person. Yeah, that's But neat. that's one of the things that they really wanted right. to help out with, with the logistics side of organizing, planning, et cetera. And it's taken some time to accept, okay, maybe I, I am a logistics person. Maybe I am a planner, even though I'll be honest, in years past, you know, whatever happens, happens. Oh, it's something that you cultivated. <laughs> yes. awesome. And so it's a refined skill. Sometimes yes. your gifts and skills change over the years, which is great. Oh, yeah. Example, if you had a student in ninth grade versus 12th grade, I mean, that growth time frame, <laughs> and again, I'm talking high school because that's what I taught, that is such a huge step. Like, I remember even being as a coach, like, people would talk about athletes, coaches, and other sports, or <clears throat> they would say, like, oh, that kid, you know, he skips class, or she skips class, whatever. And then just them growing up, Yeah. by the time they're seniors, it's like they grew up a little bit. I mean, that's, that's still a skill set that's changed, or gifts that have changed, or maybe even been 
highlighted Mm -hmm. with that maturity. Same thing with adults. I'm sure we can both think back to when we were 22 versus now. Yeah. I would like to talk to my 22 year old self and say like, Hey, (laughs) X, Y, and Z, you know, like pay attention to this. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's important that you pointed out that your executive director said that you were good with logistics because Mm -hmm. I think we're lucky in our district that that is something that our superintendent is intentional about and has always been, even when she wasn't superintendent. I agree. And that we have this culture of like, let's call out the great things, which is why I chose you. And I told you this earlier because you're so (laughs) easy to have a conversation with, but it's good to name those things and people, because like you said, especially specific skills, especially if it's coming from someone who you report to, who doesn't love to hear, okay, yeah, that is like the skill set of mine. I didn't realize that. So, and you're on campuses a lot. And obviously now you're working with advanced academic students mm-hmm. as well as college and career readiness. You know, that's one of the great yeah, things I love. Yeah, and you're working with Avid and Pasto. I forgot about I that. I love about this position is that I get to do work with the gifted students and the advanced learners as well as college and career readiness and really de- developing not only the students, but coaching those teachers yes. to really recognize mm-hmm. what can we do best for our kids. And the thing about college and career readiness, again, now that it's also in our accountability. So oh, yes. I think <laughs> that's something that I've been excited about is that it's not just assigned to the seniors in a high school or the freshmen coming in. And I think I've always been aware because on the coaching side, we're constantly talking about scholarships, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's really neat to see in the elementaries now that there's a college and career readiness awareness. Yes. Because I think in the past, and this is not, I'm not going to stereotype every single teacher, obviously. <laughs> and I know you've seen this too. I don't know if it was like, okay, that's more when they get to intermediate and secondary in high school. And I think it's important to start looking at those skill sets in elementary. And I love that I was on campuses last week and just seeing like little elementary kids, even kindergartners, goal setting. I think I'm going to melt into 100 pieces because it's adorable to see a six-year-old sitting there talking about their goals. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've only been on Earth for six years and they're already (laughs) picking goals. Yeah. (laughs) Well, not only the recognition that, you know, we have to be able to goal set, but then to understand how do we balance life and work and goals and recognizing our own social emotional needs. Yeah. You know, the Texas state plan that was just approved recently, that was one of their biggest things that we noticed was the emphasis on social emotional learning. And it starts from a very young age. And if we don't start building that capacity in our kids now, how are they going to survive for future? Yeah. Now, I was talking to a friend recently, and she was sharing about her son, who, brilliant as all can be, graduated from college, has a master's, but stays at home and plays video games all day because he has not built that social-emotional capacity for himself to survive in the workforce. And she has no idea what she's going to do because, I mean, you can't stay at home for the rest of your life. So, like, we need to work with our kids to understand how do we – build ourselves so that we can survive in the real world beyond the educational world where we have some safeguards for our kids. Which brings up a good point that you shouldn't just say like when you're looking at, okay, let's identify your gifts and skills. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. just be like, okay, do you like to build things? Do you like, I think that's a good point that you're making the social emotional side. That should be a whole other category. How do you process when you have a problem with your friend? Are you a a communicator in your relationships? Are you good at conversations with strangers? These are all the things that my communications heart like mm-hmm. will be obsessed with forever. But I think it's I'm seeing that trend in the new teacher mentor program that I oversee. It's a need. Like year one and year two teachers want to know like how do I maintain my sanity and stress yes. levels and health and mental health. 
And again, it's something else that's very exciting because I think that's been a push for the last few years Mm -hmm. and that people are talking about it now. You see it on Twitter, you see it on social media, even our leadership. I'm so grateful to get an email from our superintendent to say, like, take a break. Yeah. How many people have? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) even our own direct people that we directly report to, like, it's nice to have that permission from ourselves and from the people that we report to and our coworkers that it. That's, that's also good for us to point out to our kids to say, like, these are the skills that you need to be healthy in the future, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Let's identify which ones you're really good at right now, which ones you need to work on. Yeah. And the younger the kid, they have probably no idea. Like, I'm not going to talk to a six-year-old and be like, hey, like, you know, what are what's your mental health capacity? <laughs> but <even laughs> but basically- again, like, how stressed do you feel? Do yeah. you feel frustrated a lot? Let's, see, let's talk about tools we can do. Well, you know, especially with the younger age, what I've, I've noticed kind of like the two big social emotional concepts that the kids are working with collaboration because mm-hmm. some, well, some of them don't know how to play well with others <laughs> and then perseverance. Yeah. Like how do you get to that point where you have grit and understand that it's okay to fail yeah. as long as you persevere and learn from those failures and grow from it. Um, you know, one of the things I've seen, especially for advanced learners as they hit intermediate high school, if they hadn't been challenged and then they get challenged, like, they don't know how to yeah. deal with it. Right. It's interesting coaching those kids. Like, okay, take deep breaths. Mm-hmm. You know, what can we learn from this? And sometimes, again, when we, we talked about self-reflection earlier, it's like if you don't self-reflect, if you don't figure out what could be learned, you're never going to move forward. And I think it's good to – that's a great point. I think it's good to, to give them the context of when they can learn those skills. I remember being like a young – probably 25 year old volleyball coach and, and like listening to someone that I admired talk about the explicit things kids were learning while they were under our care as a coach. And I thought, Oh yeah, they really are learning X, Y, and Z. And I'm a yes. former athlete. Like, I just think it was second nature to me. I don't know if I had any coaches that pointed out like, Hey, when this situation happens with our team, this is about teamwork. And this is uh-huh. something that can be directly transitioned into your marriages into your friendships into your families into your workplaces And I think especially the younger the kids are, the more susceptible to, well, not, I wouldn't say that. I think it's important for us to say, like, if you're involved in these specific things, these are the skills you can work on, especially when they're younger and they don't have that option. Like, hey, fifth graders, when you get to middle school or intermediate school, you should join the robotics team if you really want to be a part of problem solving and disrupting the status quo and really thinking outside the box. And if you're in choir, you're going to have to really practice and learn how to, you know, like I think sometimes when I see former kids and like, Hey, I quit. So and quit, quit such and such, like I quit volleyball or whatever. And I'm like, what else are you involved in? Yeah. And some of them look at me like nothing. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to go through high school. Not <laughs> you being be involved something. in something outside yeah. of the classroom because a, it makes a better experience. That's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. <laughs> but B, because the skills that, that you're maybe doing in the classroom, you want to be able to, to continue to work on in a different context because the group of people is different. The environment's different, the culture whatever that club extracurricular activity you're in is yeah and so I think it's important to push that it's kind of like all of us like you said you're involved in your youth group if you have a hobby like we need things outside of our work to mm-hmm. continue to cultivate our whole person that we are and I think it's something that we need to point out to students as well yeah like you can't just do this only in the classroom you got to work on it out of it in different scenarios and environments so in what ways since you've been on campuses or one way or two ways have you seen teacher celebrating student strengths that you were blown away by or impressed by 
So one of the teachers I work with at Kenley, she she always celebrates her fat firsties because she's a first grade teacher. And, oh, cute. You know, she <laughs> always tweets out about, you know, the successes they're doing. Um, and it's really cool to see little first graders being excited and yeah. being celebrated in that way. And then on the other hand, I have a high school teacher, one of my avid teachers, who does little mini party poppers for kids who actually are successful. They set a goal in avid and they either get it or go beyond it and you know she actually tweets out little party popper moments and it's the kid who's being celebrated you can always tell that they're appreciative and they're they're soaking it in and just being in that moment and you know we're moving at such a fast pace Mm -hmm. kids adults alike that sometimes we forget to just pause and soak yeah and that's what i love about these little moments that the, the teachers are doing is that they are giving those students that opportunity to just soak it in. Well, we I believe humans are made for community. Yes. We're made for to be around each other. And then who doesn't love celebrating others? Like that should be something that everyone works on because yeah. who doesn't want to make someone else feel good? Um, and I think it's great that they're doing it in front of each other's peers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's modeling to the kids. Like we can celebrate others and be happy for them too. That's a great thing to, again, take into your future relationships, no matter what context you're in. I found a couple of things. I'll also link these in the show notes of ways. I saw this thing called a strength chain. And basically, it's like a list of strengths. And you can make them simple, depending on the age or complex, depending on the class, et cetera, K through 12. And it's like, I can talk with my peers in a kind way. Mm -hmm. I can listen to my teacher when she's talking. Or it can go more complex, like I said, if you're teaching seniors. And then you cut out the ones that work for you. And I, I probably wouldn't do this with secondary, but you could do it K through 12 and you could be creative with it if yeah. you really wanted to. I tried some probably younger things with my older kids and they soaked it up. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've talked about this before in the podcast that my seniors loved Class Dojo. They were obsessed with it. So, I mean, you can you, you can sell it if you've got oh, that yeah. personality. But anyway, so you cut out the ones that you think you have and then you make a chain. And then you can like hang it up in your classroom or you can let the kids take it home, hang it up at their home. So I think that's a good way. And then I found this really good um, PDF that can be downloaded where teachers and principals can celebrate kids. Mm-hmm. And there are 10 ways and it just talks about verbal praise. I mean, I think that's sometimes downplayed. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying earlier, someone just said something in a meeting that she probably didn't think second, second thought about it. And then like you're bringing it up later, you know? Yeah. Uh, writing a note, sending a note to a parent or guardian. That was always one of my class rewards. Like if you reach so many dojos or whatever, you get to pick a coach. I can send it to a coach or a parent. It's kind of funny how many kids would choose like send it to my football coach, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, I'll do that. But that also shows the power of the educator. And yeah. But class incentives, peer recognitions like you were talking about and just some other suggestions. So I'll link that in the notes. But um, I think it's important to also point out that in these skills that teachers are recognizing it's a great way to celebrate cultural diversity in a classroom Mm -hmm. because different cultures have strengths too. Yeah. And what a powerful way if you can call out a specific cultural skill that a kid might have because of where they came from in their background. So. Well, and there's so much power in just acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I think in this generation, we're so used to everything digital. In this generation, like the ones we're teaching are ours. Yes. Because we're so young yes. and trendy. Um, but it's always so neat to get something that's actually handwritten. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not only handwritten, but mailed. Yeah. 
I write thank you notes and mail them. That's awesome. It I, takes time. Yeah. But my I mom, agree. my I, mom like, instilled that in me. I, I wish I was a, had that habit. I sometimes remember. Well, now you can do it. You said earlier, you like yeah. are a planner now. Now you can be a thank you uh-huh. card writer and mailer. But you're right. I think it's important to do like the handwritten things, mm-hmm. not just shoot an email. Okay, well, that wraps up our questions. Let's get to a little bit about you. <laughs> so what's one favorite thing in education right now? It's got to be the, the recognition of social emotional. Okay. And having to yeah. build that capacity in it. our kids, um, whether it be through restored practices or having circles or, you know, um, I remember when Catherine gets hard, we always started with something good, you know, and just we got to celebrate our kids. We got to recognize that they are struggling. We're, we're, we're all human, um, but if we don't help our kids recognize their own emotional emotional situations and how to cope, life is going to be a struggle. Yeah. And it's like we, we need to support our kids. And education is not about curriculum content anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to build the whole learner. And to build the whole learner, we have to recognize the social emotional aspects. Yep. Okay. One favorite thing in general in life right now? <laughs> uh, crazy enough, um, if you had asked me a year ago or even seven months ago uh, to go work out outside, it would have been a hard no. Um, <laughs> but I got sucked into this thing called Camp Gladiator. Yes, I sent an email. Yes, and it was a special at the time, and now... You're looking skinny and oh, fit. Oh, whatever, whatever. I, I still have some room to. to You're like the walking camp gladiator <laughs> commercial around here. So and you like it. I do. I, I'm enjoying it quite Good. a bit. I like the different trainers I'm working with. That's awesome. Um, you know, when I first started, I was like, okay, maybe twice a week, maybe three times a week. Um, I'm going to hit 150 in a week. 150 camps over the last seven months, which means I'm averaging three to five camps a week. You go with yourself. And I, yeah, Here's I a health high five for the <laughs> And I guess my doctor is very happy oh, because, that's awesome. you know, th- that's the reason why I started doing this whole health thing. Last at New Year's, my resolution was doing at least 30 minutes physical activity because yeah. my doctor's like, either figure out your numbers or I'm putting you on medication. Okay. Well, you don't have to that, share your personal health well, business, but. But I mean, that's. But it's I, true. I think that's, yeah. Sometimes we need that motivation. It's like we need that swift kick in the butt to say, Either figure out your life or you're going to have to drastically change everything. And I got to say, making these choices have been beneficial because my doctor's like, your numbers are within range. Everything's looking good. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, and it's inspiring for other people, too, especially going from campus to a building at central office. Mm -hmm. Because I'm still fairly, I mean, it's been a year and a half, but like there's a lot less activity and movement here. Agree. Where I've had to be way more intentional, like get outside your office and like you said, move 30 minutes a day. And Especially with my position, since I service twelve campuses, and, and since I service twelve campuses, I'm in the car a lot, and so it's, you know, driving from place to place, it's hard to make sure a I'm moving around, and then b you know if I'm you know schedule things too closely, I have to go run and get lunch. It's like, it's like fast oh, food everywhere, yes. and there's poor choices everywhere. Yes. And when you're a teacher, you don't realize it, but you're bound to those seven periods a day. And you Uh think, okay, I'm going to eat lunch in my classroom or on the go when I'm walking down to the gym, whatever. And then you get into the outside campus position and you're like, oh, I can pull through somewhere for lunch. Or like, I left my lunch at home so I can go get something. And there's not 30 kids in my class. It's just so interesting. Like, it's a whole other lifestyle that you don't know about until you get off campus. And you're like, oh, I can go get a coffee on my way to this meeting because I need some caffeine right now. There's something to be said about having a routine and structure 
versus having a lot of freedoms Mm -hmm. and finding the balance between the two. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap it up with your favorite book. So my favorite book of late is definitely by um, Marcus Suzak. It's called The Book Thief. Oh, okay. And the perspective of the narrator. So it's fiction. It's fiction. It takes place in World War II. Now, granted, it's been a few years since I've read it. Okay. But it does take place, if I remember correctly, in World War II. But one of the key narrators is death. Interesting. Yeah. I know they turned it into... And creative. Yeah. Um, I know they turned it into a movie and whatnot. Oh, did they? I I was just saying, it sounds familiar. I haven't seen it. Okay. I'm, I'm... Big proponent of trying to avoid if I can't see the movies unless somebody tells me no, you got to see the movie because okay. it's so good. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on that one, like Hunger Games. That's how well, I yeah, that's I'm that we're a not book? gonna talk that's about that. The, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so, sorry, the books are so good, and then I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's how we're gonna turn it into a movie. Okay, okay, so the uh, book thief, book thief, highly recommend. Okay, um, I love, I've read a few other uh, Marcus Zusak pieces, um, The Messenger. Was really good too. Okay, I did hear that one was really good. Yeah, um, little little twisted. Oh, okay. see, not a little, a lot twisted. Oh, I was say if someone reads it and it's just a little twisted, you got to no, be honest. It's, here. It's, it's it's a lot twisted. Um, so definitely Marcus Zusak. Okay. Writings, and then Neil Schusterman. I well, so you're it. supposed to pick one. Gordon. I know. What is this? You're, a book okay. review you're, podcast? You're asking an English, a former English teacher, to talk about books. I know. Hello. <laughs> I know. That's, I, that's I, everyone who is an English-minded person, or people that are just readers that are on here. They're like, you want me to pick one? I'm like, yeah. look, people, this isn't a book podcast. I just, <laughs> I just want the readers to know what to get, the listeners to know what to read. Well, thank you so much for having no you problem. on. Like, I, I just love that you're so student centered and I've always loved your personality. I think you'd be so Thank great you. for the podcast and, and really student gifts goes with such what you're doing now and what we did in path. And so thanks for coming on Gordon. No I'm glad to be here. And to our listeners, Merry Christmas, happy holidays and happy new year. We'll, we'll see you back in January with our superintendent as our yes. next guest of Klein ISD, oh, Dr. Dr. Jenny McGowan. So thanks for listening and we'll catch y'all next time. Gordon is such a warm educator who cares deeply about the students and teachers he serves. I knew he'd be the perfect guest for this topic, and I hope our conversation did not disappoint. Identifying students' strengths, using them in learner profiles, daily conversations, lesson planning, and more serves so many positive purposes in the classroom. If it's not your natural strength to find and use the gifts your students have, The internet is full of resources to assist with building that skill. I've also linked some of the resources talked about in this episode in the show notes. While you're at it, and if you haven't already, start identifying your strengths too. Are you using them well? Are you using them to help and serve others? Ponder on those questions as we close out this calendar year. From the Klein Professional Learning Department, we wish you a restful and fun-filled holiday. We can't wait to see what 2020 brings, and we'll be back in the new year. So here's to taking our learning and transforming the world. And since I service 12 campuses, I'm in the car a lot, and so it's, you know, driving from place to place, it's hard to make sure, A, I'm moving around, and then B, you know, if I'm, you know, schedule things too closely, I have to go run and get lunch. It's like, it's like fast oh, food everywhere, yes. and there's poor choices everywhere. Yes. And when you're a teacher, you don't realize it, but you're bound to those seven periods a day. And you Uh think, okay, I'm going to eat lunch in my classroom or on the go when I'm walking down to the gym, whatever. And then you get into the outside campus 
position and you're like, oh, I can pull through somewhere for lunch or like I left my lunch at home so I can go get something and there's not 30 kids in my class. It's just so interesting. Like it's a whole other lifestyle that you don't know about until you get off campus and you're like, oh, I can go get a coffee on my way to this meeting because I need some caffeine right now. It's something to be said about having a routine and structure versus having a lot of freedoms Mm -hmm. and finding the balance between the two. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap it up with your favorite book. So my favorite book of late is definitely by um, Marcus Suzak. It's called The Book Thief. Oh, and okay. And the perspective of the narrator. So it's fiction. It's, it's fiction. It takes place in World War II. Now, granted, it's been a few years since I've read it. Okay. But it does take place, if I remember correctly, in World War II. But one of the key narrators is death. Interesting. Yeah. I know they turned it and into... And creative. Yeah. Um, I know they turned it into a movie and whatnot. Oh, did I, they? I, I was just saying, it sounds familiar. It. I haven't seen it. And okay. I'm, I'm a big proponent of trying to avoid if I can't see the movies, unless somebody tells me, no, you've got to see the movie okay. because it's so good. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on that one. Like Hunger Games. That's how I Well, yeah, that's... I'm, Is that we're not going to talk that's about that. The, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the books are so good, and then like... <laughs> How we're gonna turn it into a movie? Okay. Okay, so the uh, book thief. Book thief. Highly recommend. Okay. Um, I love. I've read a few other uh, Marcus Zusak pieces. Um, the Messenger was really good too. Okay, I did hear that one was really good. Yeah. Um, little, little twisted. Oh, okay. see, not a little, like, a lot twisted. Oh, I was say, if someone reads it and it's just a little twisted, you gotta no, be honest it's, here. It's, it's it's a lot twisted. <laughs> um, so definitely Marcus Zusak. Okay. Writings, and then Neil Schusterman. I well, so you're it. supposed to pick one, Gordon. I know. What is this, you're, a book okay. review you're, podcast? You're asking an Engli- a former English teacher to talk about books. <laughs> I know. Hello. <laughs> I know. That's, I, that's I, Everyone who is an English-minded person or people that are just readers that are on here, they're like, you want me to pick one? I'm like, yeah. look, people, this isn't a book podcast. I just, <laughs> I just want the readers to know what to get, the listeners to know what to read. Well, thank you so much for having no you problem. on. Like, I, I just love that you're so student-centered and I've always loved your personality. I think you'd be so Thank great you. for the podcast and, and really student gifts goes with such what you're doing now and what we did in path. And so thanks for coming on Gordon. No I'm glad to be here. And to our listeners, Merry Christmas, happy holidays and happy new year. We'll, we'll see you back in January with our superintendent as our yes. next guest of Klein ISD, oh, Dr. Exciting. Dr. Jenny McGowan. So thanks for listening and we'll catch y'all next time.